Hello, you are listening to NPE Stories. This is a podcast where NPEs can share their story. I am your host, Lily, and I found out I was an NPE through an ancestry DNA test that changed my life forever. NPE is a term that stands for not parent expected or non-paternal event. This means that one or more of our parents are not who we believe them to be. NPE Stories is a podcast where NPEs can share their story of what their original family was like, how they found out they were an NPE, and what their journey has been like since the day they found out. And welcome to episode 29, where today I am talking to Cindy. Hi, Cindy. Hi, how are you? I'm good. Thank you for doing this today under self-quarantine. (laughs) Yes. Well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate being able to do this. Yeah, absolutely. And you have heard this podcast, right? I have. I've listened to, I think, all of them. Yes. Wonderful. So let's go ahead and get started on Cindy's story today. Why don't you take us back to the beginning and let us know what your original family was like and a little bit about your childhood? Okay. Um, Well, I feel like I had uh, a pretty normal childhood. Um, My parents were married 20 years when I came along. Uh, My father was an insurance agent. My mom eventually owned a, a beauty salon. But my parents were older when I was born. I had a 19 year old sister and I had a 15 year old brother. So I came along a little bit later in their lives. Um, my sister was almost like a second mom to me, and she married shortly after I was born. And then my brother married when he was 17 and moved out of the house. So I was almost like an only child. Um, we lived in a city in, in Central Florida until I was about 13, and then we moved out to the suburbs. And so I had a little bit of a lonely childhood. Most of I was around adults a lot. Um, most of my cousins, which were paternal cousins, I thought, were older than me. But we had a very close family. Um, we did lots of camping and fishing and family parties. So, you know, it was a pretty good childhood. Um, I always felt a little bit different, though, um, than others. I was sort of a bookworm. Uh, I loved school, and I did really well in school. And as I got older, I wanted to go to college, and really nobody in my family had done that. Um, I had lots of love from my mom. We were really close. But I did sort of always feel a little bit of a disconnect with my with my dad, um, just maybe not as close as I thought we should be. So there were some clues, but of course, I didn't know were clues back then. <laughs> Um, as I said, my mom was like 38 when I was born. And when anybody would say something about her age when you know, I, I was born, she sort of made a joke of me being a diaphragm baby, which meant she was using a diaphragm and it didn't work. Um, and so, you know, that was just sort of an accepted reason why she had me so much later in life. Um, I looked a lot like my mom. 
but she was very fair complected, blue eyes and blonde hair, and I had brown eyes and brown hair. And it was sort of a family joke, which now looking back on it is just really sort of weird that, you know, that old thing about being the milkman's daughter. Well, they said that a lot within the family that I was the milkman's daughter. But at the time that I was conceived, my father, my birth certificate father, actually was working for Seal Test Dairy as a milkman. So they just thought that was hilarious and people would laugh about it. (laughs) And, you know, that's just what it was. And they would explain my brown eyes by saying that my paternal grandmother had brown eyes and brown hair too. And of course, that turned out to be my true paternal grandmother did actually have brown eyes and brown hair, but they were referring to my birth certificate father's, you know, as his mother. Mm -hmm. Um, And the one thing that really stuck out in my mind later on, and one of my cousins actually reminded me of it when I, when I was going through all this was that my, my birth certificates, father, father. So my grandfather, his father, was he died the same year that I was born. He died actually before I was born. But he used to call me and went say to my mom when he'd see her when she was pregnant with me, he'd say, has little Joe come along yet? Is little Joe going to be here soon? And the really ironic thing about that is, is that my biological father's name is Joe. Joseph. Yeah. So I don't know if maybe, you know, that was just a joke or if maybe they knew more about that. I don't know. But those were just clues that I had sort of uh, as I look back now, I'm wondering, you know, uh, they didn't mean much to me back then when I was growing up. But looking back on it, it means a little bit more. So but we had, as I got a little older, we had a lot of losses in our family. My sister died when I was 17 years old after oh. having a hysterectomy. So oh. that was a very sad, unexpected. She was only 36 years old. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah. And uh, soon, not too long after that, my maternal grandmother died. And then my birth certificate father died. Um, when I was 25. So we had a lot of losses uh, all at one time. And it was shortly after that, that I started, I started doing genealogy. Um, It just started out, I I really, thinking back, I'm not sure why now, looking back, I wonder if I didn't have an inkling, maybe, or had to have more of a suspicion than I ever let myself think about. But I started doing research, um, and um, it really became a very big hobby with me. Um, I spent uh, just hours and hours, and back then, of course, we were doing all the research in the library. We weren't doing it online, and I did a lot of research in the downtown library and the Family History Center, and went on all kinds, as I got married and had family, went on road trips to, you know, find places that my ancestors had lived. Um, my mom went along with us because she had, she lived with us as she got a little older. We went to cemeteries and family reunions, people on her side of the family and church, visited churches that they'd been members of. So, I mean, I was really pretty heavy into genealogy. 
And I thought that I had both of my family trees complete um, as I went along. I really thought that I knew both sides of my family, um, my birth certificate father and my mother. Many came from, were from the South. We were in Florida for a really long time. And um, we uh, sort of came over from Virginia and migrated South. So both sides of my family, that seemed to be the way that they, that they uh, came to be in the United States. And I was pretty proud of my Southern heritage. I thought that, you know, it was, that was an important thing to our family. My, my, mother's father settled in the county that I live in back in the mid 1850s. So they'd been here a long time. Hmm. Um, I even had taped an oral interview with my mother uh, about her life and she did not let it on any clues at that point. You know, it was all just sort of, um, she answered my questions and she was a little shy about being interviewed, but there was never any, any clues to anything being uh, in any of the surprises that were to come. So then I started working full-time. I had a family, so I didn't spend as much time doing the genealogy. I sort of felt like I'd found everything I could find, you know, and I had I had our trees done. And everybody in the family always came to me to get the family history when somebody needed it for a, a class project or, you know, any of that stuff. And then uh, a little later, uh, I had some I had some health challenges in early two, 2000, 2010, and had some changes in my life. Um, and I, my brother actually became pretty ill. He had been ill for a long time, um, and he passed away in 2014. So my mother was still alive. Um, she had moved into an, a senior apartment, um, and she was 95 years old, and she fell and broke her femur, and so she wasn't able to live by herself anymore, and she was pretty independent, so she wanted to, she didn't want to come and live with us, So, and she needed more care than I could provide because I was still working full-time. And so she went into an assisted living facility, and I sort of helped take care of her for about two years, you know, visiting every day and making sure she was okay and stuff. And then she um, eventually had um, cancer and she had had cancer previously in her life. So I don't know if it returned or, you know, what the situation was, but she was 97 by that time. And so she passed away in 2016 and never said a word about it anything being out of so you know out of the ordinary or that any of this had happened so after she passed away i started getting interested in genealogy again because i had more time i had sort of started a began a more healthier lifestyle for myself and i found out about 23 and me doing testing and i guess i'm I may be getting ahead of myself here. I'm sorry, but I've sort of gone through my childhood and now I'm up to what happened. So I hope that's okay. Absolutely. Go right ahead. Okay. And um, so I did a 23andMe test for really for health reasons, because they were one of the first tests that, you know, determined um, about doing that. And so I did a 23andMe and 
I thought it would be fun to see my ethnicity. I really thought that I knew what it was. I thought we were from sort of England and Ireland, Scotland. You know, that that was what I expected to see. And I never expected to see the results that I got. Um, so when I got my results back, that was in, well, I, I tested in June of 2017. So this has all been a while now. And got my results back. And I had never looked at a DNA test before. You know, I really didn't know what to expect, even though I'd done all of that genealogy research. I really hadn't gotten back to doing it so much since the computers were all into it. I had done it the old-fashioned way. And I I looked at it, and the results came back that I had 29% Italian. And I was like, okay, <laughs> well, maybe somebody had some Italian in them that I didn't know about, but it just didn't seem, you know, it, it didn't connect. And so then I really started doing quite a bit of research, trying to understand more about the tests. Um, I went to some of our local genealogy meetings. I went to the library and got some volunteers to help me you know, start looking at it and started looking at the different groups on Facebook um, that might be able to help me with that. And I really was confused about the whole thing. I was like, I just, I just don't think it's right. You know, all those typical things that people say. And when I tried to talk to any of my relatives about it, they were like, oh, that stuff, you don't need to believe any of that. You know, that's not accurate. And I'm like, no, it's DNA. It doesn't, it doesn't lie. <laughs> so there's got to be some reason that that's coming out that way. And I did have on my birth certificate father's side, I had not been able to trace his paternal line back very far. So there was in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, well, you know, maybe there was some Italian there and we just didn't know about it. Um, so I think that gave me an excuse for a little while to not really face anything. But so I decided, well, you know, I probably need to take another test and see. So I just, at that point, I had learned about ancestry. And I decided that I'd take an ancestry test. Well, it came back 31% Italian with all the other things, you know, mixed in too. And at that point, I was like, okay, well, I, and I had learned enough, I think, at that point by doing some research and reading stuff online. I had learned that, okay, there's got to be something going on here that I don't really understand or know what it is. And so I began by sending some messages to some of my DNA matches because I really was suspicious that something wasn't right, but I really didn't didn't understand what it was. Um, when I started looking at the matches, I had all these Italian names <laughs> that, that I didn't recognize, you know, in addition to a lot of cousins that I didn't recognize. And I, it really took me a while to understand. And even back then, I, I don't know how much, you know, I didn't know you could separate people out and you could look and see which ones were related to whom. And I was really very naive about all of that. And really, it was a very sort of steep learning curve for me. 
but um, I I did start trying to learn and figure it out, and I began to be suspicious that something you know wasn't wasn't right or and reading online about all the people that had had similar kind of things happen to them. In November of, of 2017, um, I got together with um, some of my paternal first female first cousins. There's about five of us that get together about every four, five, six months and try and have lunch or dinner together and sort of stay connected. All of our parents are deceased, you know, so we're sort of the only connection that we have to our generation. And we had gotten together this time because one of my cousins was not well and we really wanted to try and get together. And one of uh, one of them actually, one of the cousins flew in from North Carolina to be with us so we could all be together and see each other. And um, I had decided that I was going to share with them about what I was going through with taking the DNA test. Um, I had said something to a couple of them and they had before this luncheon and they both said, Oh, don't believe those things. That's, you know, a bunch of, eh, don't, don't, that, there's not anything to those tests. They're not accurate and all that. So I knew that they were skeptical, but I still wanted to ask them. And actually I had bought a DNA test and brought it with me to the luncheon because I was going to ask one of them to take a test because I really felt like that was the only way I was going to know for sure about whether my suspicions were true, because at that point I was thinking that perhaps my biological father and my birth certificate father were two different people. So we got to where it was sort of my turn, and I was telling them what was going on with me and bringing them up to speed with my life, and then I told them about my genealogy uh, research and that I'd taken these two tests and they'd come back with this Italian ancestry and I didn't understand. And I was hoping that maybe I could ask one of them to take an ancestry test and see if we matched. Well, my cousin who was not well spoke up and said, Cindy, I've already taken the ancestry test. And I went, okay. And I said, do you have your matches where other people can see them? And she said, I think so, but I don't really know or understand that much about it. A friend had given her the test and she'd taken it. And that's sort of when it like hit me between the eyes, I guess is the best way to say it. Um I felt like the floor fell out from underneath me. I felt the room moving around like, oh my goodness, because I think that's the moment that it really hit that I, if I knew that if she and I didn't match, then everything that I thought was probably true. And so I explained that to them and they still were not believing me. But one of my other cousins took the t- agreed to take the test that I'd brought. And she said, well, we're going to take it and, and we'll see if we match or not. And I said, okay, well, that'll really tell us because if the two of y'all match, then <laughs> I'll know that that's really, you know, the way it is. And so <clears throat> I went home and, and looked and made sure and my, and my, 
cousin that had taken the test shared her her all of her results with me and we did not match so as far as I was concerned I pretty much knew at that point that there had to be something not right um, about all of that and it uh, really um, I was very surprised I just never it never entered my mind I guess up until that confirmation that the father I grew up with was not my biological father. I really had no reason to suspect. I just, you know, it just it just didn't didn't seem to be part of my world. But then there it was right in front of me. So I went back and looked at um, all my ancestry information. And I had a second cousin match that I knew was not on my mother's side and so I sent them a, a, a message on ancestry and um, the the uh, test was actually a uh, male second cousin but the person who responded to me was his wife because he was in his 70s and so she and I exchanged a couple of emails and then we eventually talked on the phone and she was familiar with the Italian names that were on, <laughs> on some of these matches. But we still couldn't, she really wasn't able to help me figure out. She told me this person was married to this person. And, you know, she was able to give me some details. But none of it really came together right so that it was easy to figure out who my father might be. They, uh, She told me that um, there was also... Um, her husband's sister also lived in the same town that I lived in. That he, she still lived there. They they lived out in uh, out of t- state, but the sister still lived here. And she gave me her name, and she said, you know, she might be able to to give you some information. And actually, she worked for the same same uh, employer that I did. So. After that conversation, I just tried to do lots more research. Um, I created a mirror tree. I did all the things, you know, genealogists are supposed to do to try and figure out um, what was going on. And I sort of thought I had it figured out to some degree, at least the families, but it still didn't quite make sense. Um, So I finally sent an email to the this man's sister um and about the same time that i did that and that was in april of 2018 so right at two years ago um i had another second cousin match on ancestry pop up and so i sent an email to that person and uh, told her I'd been talking. She didn't know how we were related either. (laughs) And um, I told her some of the names I had been researching. Well, she was on my, my father's, my biological father's maternal side. So she wasn't as familiar with those families, but we finally ended up, all of us met together, the, the second cousin and the two second cousins and myself met at a Panera's one day and I brought all of my mirror trees and all my stuff that I'd done and my, what my 
what I've been able to find online or, you know, just doing research. And we sat down and looked at it. And the older uh, of, of the two looked at it and she said, well, she, she confessed to me that she was concerned that I was going to tell her that her father was my father, but yeah. that, that was not, that was not the case. And she was, she's in her probably mid seventies. Um, and I said, no, I don't think that's the case. I said, I, you know, the, the way this is all shaping up and the way it looks, I think, I think this person might be. And she looked at it and she said, mm-hmm, I would not doubt that at all. Um, I think that's a very real possibility. And I said, yeah, I think so too. Um, and she knew quite a bit about that person and his family and told me, you know, that he'd been married a few times. He had other children and she just thought that that might be. And so I said, okay, well, that gives me something to go on. And so we actually looked while we were there. I looked, I had brought my laptop with me and I found his obituary. So he had died in 2010 but it listed all of his children. And so I, okay. And so I do all my searching on the computer and I find out that one of his daughters, one of my half sister still lives in the same town that I live in or very close to it. And then I had their names, you know, so after that it was pretty easy to do my research and, and get information on them and so I found um, email addresses. Well, I was pretty shocked at that point. You know, I was still trying to get used to all of it. And so I didn't reach out right away. Um, I, it took me, eh, it didn't take me a long time, but it took me about a month before I was ready to try and reach out. And I didn't, I, I didn't know what to say or how to say it. So I looked online and found some you know, recommended contact letters and that kind of stuff. And I sent um, a letter to my two, ha- to each of my half sisters. Um, one lives out of state and one lives in the same state that I do. And I immediately got a, a response from the, an email from the sister who lives out of state. And I explained to her what I had found and what I thought. And um, she was very, very open from the beginning and very willing to share information. And I told her that I had a, she'd never taken a DNA test. And I told her I had an extra one, which she and asked if she'd be willing to take it if I mailed it to her. And she said she would. And so I sent it out the next day (laughs) so she could take the test. And because, you know, that was sort of the final piece of of confirmation that I needed to know. And she was very gracious. She shared family pictures. I mean, she she was already as convinced as I was, you know, that it that it was definitely the right thing. We just didn't know. We had no idea other than the fact that they lived in the same city. We really didn't understand how uh, or what kind of contact they had had or relationship they'd had or any of that. Um, so 
And it gets sort of complicated here because he was married four times. But while he was not with her mother, he was not married to her mother when I was conceived. He was married to someone else. So um, that he did not actually have children. No, that's not true. He had my older brother with that person. So, so, um, so we... Uh, we, you know, we corresponded with each other. We emailed back and forth a lot. We, we actually, um, got on the phone and talked to each other quite a bit. And her test came back in June of 2018 and it confirmed that we were half siblings. So that was sort of like the, you know, then I knew for sure. Yeah. Um, And, um, it, she sent me an email as soon as she got her results and she signed it sis. So that Aww. made, uh, yeah, that made That's me sweet. feel, yeah, that made me feel very, very, um, good and very welcomed. And, you know, she really, she's been great. And so we set up a time and we talked, we did, we FaceTimed each other once so we could see each other, you know, in, in real life. And, uh, it was amazing how much we have in common. Um, we don't necessarily, I don't feel like we look like each other a great deal. I look a lot like my mom, but it certainly explains where I got my brown hair and brown eyes from. Um, and we have a, I think we have a similar smile uh, a great deal. And the really interesting part was she was able to share with me a picture of my aunt. So my father's, uh, my biological father's sister, who has also passed. But she sent me pictures of her when she was younger. And we we favor each other a great deal. Mm. And so that really was was amazing too uh to see those pictures and you know see that but i had not still heard from the other sister um so i sent a second letter to her and i did receive an email from her about uh about a week later she had called her half sister and to check me out make sure i was legitimate and stuff and so i did hear from her and then we uh, had dinner together shortly after that and met, and she also shared um, a lot of pictures and family information. Her mother was married to my father for a long time. It was a little over 30 years, so she really had probably spent the most time with him out of, you know, out of anybody. Um, and then shortly after that, I got an email from my sister that lives out of state, and she said, I want to come visit. Is it all right if I come and visit you? And I was like, oh, that would be just wonderful. You know, it would just be fantastic. So in January, she came uh, and visited me for about four days. She was here. And I got to meet one of my half-brothers who lives not too far away. And then she and her, the other half-sister, the three of us, got together for dinner one night so none of them are real surprised <laughs> that <laughs> they had another sibling out there. I guess, yeah. you know, their father was sort of a Latin, little bit of a Latin lover kind of guy. And mm-hmm. so they were not too surprised about that. Um, 
but um, so he had he was married four times. He had six children, including me. Um, I learned that my oldest brother had died in 2015. Uh, oldest half brother, you know, he had died in 2015, and um, and so then the sister that lives out of state, one of the half brothers lives near her, and then one lives here part of the year and lives up north part of the year, and then the other half sister is here. But it's really the half sister that lives out of state that has uh, really maintained a relationship with me and has been very open and you know, willing to to have a relationship. I'm planning to go and visit her um, in her hometown in July. And we've sort of made a pact that we're going to try and visit each other back and forth. She lives pretty pretty far away, so it's it's a distance to travel. But, um, and I recently connected on Ancestry. I had a, a girl pop up that matched me, and she contacted me. And, you know, how do we match? Because, of course, my name doesn't match any of their names. And uh, I found out that it's my oldest half-brother who is, who is deceased. It's his daughter. Ooh. And so uh, she and I have emailed back and forth several times. And um, she also lives out of state. She's not here. But um, so the the sort of the, you know, I'll, I'll tell you how I figured out who he was. It took a little bit of genealogy research, but, uh, and how they knew each other, I guess, is really, I mean, I knew who he was, but how he knew, how they knew each other. So everybody is deceased. There's really nobody to ask questions of, um, you know, um, there just isn't any relatives around that would have been alive at the time. So one of the things I started doing was looking in the city directories at my local library, which is something I've done, you know, for other research. And I thought I was in there one day and I thought, well, I'm going to look and see where my mother was working, like the year I was born or the year before I was born. So I pull out the 1956 directory and I look at it and of course by this time I'd learned a lot about my biological father and and his family and they had actually uh, immigrated uh, from Sicily and had resided in the same town as my mother and father for years and years and years and years (laughs) and they had a cigar factory Uh, that they both ran together, my grandfather and father. And I pull out the city directory and I look at it in a city, I don't know if everyone knows this, but a city directory will give you your home address and it will give you your place of employment. And there in black and white was my mother employed at their cigar factory. (laughs) And And I looked the year before that and the year before that. So for three years before I was born, she actually worked at his cigar factory. So there you go. There I go. And that's probably, you know, as close as I'll ever get to knowing what kind of relationship they had, if it was short, long, brief, you know, there's all kinds of scenarios that have mm-hmm. come into my mind about that. Um, but I'll never really know the story. And I think enough time has passed that I've <clears throat> sort of 
accepted that. But to begin with, it it was pretty rough. I was pretty, pretty, uh, I, I think I was hurt more than anything else that my mother hid it from me and didn't tell me. Mm. Uh, my father, my birth certificate father had died so many years ago. You know, she had ample opportunity and time that she could have told me about it. Um, but she was a very proud woman, um, very independent, and I can see, knowing her personality, that it would have been a very, and the time frame that that was, you know, in the late 1950s, it just wouldn't have been something that you would have been able to talk about, and I don't know if my birth certificate father knew, I have no idea. I look at pictures of him and I together when I was a baby, and he's smiling and happy and looks like he's really <laughs> in love with me. So, you know, I don't, I just don't know. I, I didn't feel always that connected to him in a lot of ways, but I just, I have no idea. He, he loved me. You know, he, he put a roof over our heads. He, he, he took care of us. So I, I just don't know if, if he knew or didn't know. And, of course, my mom knew what she was doing, so she knew, you know. Yeah. But um, now my ancestry, since they've updated the ancestry, it says I'm 45% Italian. <laughs> oh. And so it updated, you know, when they did that whole update, that um, that made it a lot higher, which is about right, because his parents, uh, he was, my father was born here but his parents immigrated from Sicily and of course his parents were immigrated too so they were uh, have a very long line uh, of Sicilian ancestry and um, probably one of the hardest things I had to do was to change my family tree after mm-hmm. all of that research I mean hours and hours of my life you know wow uh, yeah and trip- <clears throat> You said you even took trips. Yeah, we took trips and yeah, yeah. And most of the trips had to do, or most of that research had to do with my mom's side of the family. So that isn't something that I lost particularly. I just, it was hard mm-hmm. to take because she went on the trips with us. So she knew how much, you know, all of that meant to me. And if she did, and and maybe she didn't know, you know, maybe she Maybe she was in denial, who knows, about the fact that that could have been that he, that my birth certificate father wasn't my father. They were married, they were together. So, you know, she may not have known. She may have just had an affair and, and not known. But um, I think the, the hard, the other hard part has been that the, so many of them were alive. You know, my, my birth certificate father was alive until 10 years ago. So I could have, easily got to know him and could have gotten to know my siblings because they lived here. Um, I was the, always the young, I was the youngest of my family and now I'm the oldest of all the siblings. So I became big sis instead of little sis. Um, yeah. It, it changed your birth order along with your yes, yes. Her, your heritage. Now you're identifying as half Sicilian and yeah. Yeah, wow. Yeah. Yeah, so it was it was a lot to take in, um, but I, as time has passed, and I think like uh, most people say that have been in this situation, is that finding all of that out and being um, 
it's just a shock that doesn't ever completely go away. You know, I'll not think about it for a while and then something will hit me. It could be a, somebody's birthday or, you know, it, it could be what different things. And it will definitely just come back and sort of hit me right in the face. And I'll have a day when I'm like really thinking about it a lot. And then that'll pass and I'll be able to. But at the time that I was going through it, um, I did go and see a counselor. Um, and so I'd have somebody other than my, my poor husband who had to listen to me talk about it all the time. And that was very helpful to go and talk with somebody. Um, I got support through the online groups, you know, and saw that there were other people going through the same thing. And I think that that helped a great deal also. If people would like to know more about you, how could they get in touch with you? Um, well, I am on uh, a couple of different ways. I'm on Facebook. Um, it's Cindy Rogers Harrison, and Cindy is spelled C-I-N-D-I, and Rogers is with a D. Um, I'm also on Instagram under uh, Deep South to Sicily. So I've written some blog posts uh, about my experience, trying to document it, you know, for for myself and future generations. Um, and I also have an email address. It's, um, I'll spell it out for you. It's Cindy, C-I-N-D-I, Jeannie, G-E-N-I-E, 57, at gmail.com. That's one I sort of use for some of my genealogy stuff. So any of those ways. Great. Well, I'll be connecting with you this afternoon. Okay. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of this today. And what a story. And I know I was nodding along with most of it. I did want to thank you so much for doing the podcast. I think it's just a wonderful thing for people to be able to share their stories. It's very helpful. So Yes, thank you. It is. It, and it's helpful for me, too, to listen to them. Mm-hmm. Thanks again to Cindy for sharing today. These stories are here for us to identify with. If you are an NPE that would like to share your story, email npestories at gmail.com. You do not have to give any identifying information. If you are an NPE and would like to share your story, I'd like to hear from you. Subscribe to this podcast to hear more. Come heal with us.